Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. As we start this series, let me just uh, recommend to you that you spend some time in the book of Galatians. We're going to take, uh, we're going to be preaching out of each chapter. Uh, This week, Galatians 1, uh, we'll take each week, will be a different chapter. And I would just encourage you, if you haven't familiarized yourself with the book of Galatians recently, that you do that, that you spend some time reading and meditating in this book. It is a book that is rich and it is direct. And uh, Paul is... He's one of these writers that uh, he doesn't mince words, and he gets right to the point many times. The churches that he is writing to, just to kind of tell you where we're going here, the churches he's writing to are located in what is, uh, we're located in what is now modern-day Turkey. Uh, The churches of Galatia that he had planted just a short time before he wrote this letter to them, they were new, they were messy, uh, they, were, they were people that were trying to figure out, how do I live? How do I live as a follower of Jesus in a violent and pagan culture? I mean, you had the Celtic culture. You had the Roman culture. And um, then you also had the Jewish culture mixed in. So they heard the gospel. They received the gospel as Paul preached it to them. And then they were seduced back into legalism and doing rather than receiving. And so Paul brings this corrective word that I think for you and I is very significant as well because you and I are navigating a very similar, although modern, version of what the Galatians were living into. Uh, This overarching message in this book of Galatians is faith alone in Christ alone. Faith alone in Christ alone. Essentially, believe rightly about Jesus and live free. Don't let anyone take that from you. This is Paul's message to the churches of Galatia. Uh, About 20 years ago, my family uh, went to uh, Mexico and we had our very first all-inclusive resort experience. Have you guys ever been to an all-inclusive resort? Just show of hands real quick. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, so imagine my daughter Morgan. She's like maybe nine or 10 years old at that point, which means it wasn't quite 20 years ago, but we're getting close. Nine or 10 years old, never been to a resort like this before. And they had a, uh, a swim-up bar. And so Morgan's out in the water swimming around. And she discovered that this swim-up bar had um, strawberry daiquiris, like virgin, of course, strawberry daiquiris, no alcohol in it. Dad, you mean, you mean I, can, I can just go get one? Yeah, honey, go get a strawberry daiquiri. She drank that one. She came back to me and she said, can I have another one? Yeah, sure. 
we're on vacation, sugar up. Like, we'll just, we'll just send you off to the all-inclusive kids activities after you're done drinking all these sugar drinks, right? It's all-inclusive. You mean I can have as many as, what about the food they have? Can I have a piece of, yes, honey, it's all yours. Go get it. You can have it all. There's, there's no restrictions. You can have all the food and all the drinks. It's all paid for. It's all inclusive, Morgan. Go get it. It's okay. The grace of Jesus, the freedom in Jesus is all inclusive. It's all paid for. If, you're, if, if you ain't got no money, it's okay. Jesus has paid for your freedom, for your redemption, for my re freedom and my redemption. It's all inclusive. It is a spiritual freedom. It is an emotional freedom that he has died for. He has died and rose again for our relational freedom, for our societal freedom. But it's elusive, isn't it? It's elusive. Somehow, somehow, we don't quite believe that it is all inclusive. Somehow, it slips through our fingers I think often it's because, well, dad, I, I don't know that I paid. No, you didn't, honey. I paid for it. I paid for us to be at this resort. Okay, so we paid for it, so it's all free. Yes, it's all free. Do you ever feel like, well, the metrics don't show that I actually deserve this. Like I haven't quite met my quota yet of good works. We get caught up in that, don't we? It's like, no, 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 it's all inclusive. It's all free. It's all been paid for. The grace and mercy of Jesus is all yours. Yeah, but what do I need to do? See, this is what the Galatians were dealing with. They had received the gospel, but then they reverted to the measurables of law keeping. Now, in the ancient days, it was things like, well, if you were a Jew, and a male, you would have been circumcised because that was the, the Abraham, uh, Abraham was told to do this by God. I was gonna say, Abra I can't say it. Abrahamic law, that's what I meant to say. Have you tried to say it? Abrahamic, I don't know, something like that. They had these laws. Plus 600, I mean, there were a total of 613 laws that they were to, to obey, that they were to do. They could do things, couldn't do things like, they, well, they could do things like just eat with other Jews. So the, the, the people of Galatia had received the gospel, and then some other people came back in again. Judaizers came back in again and said, no, 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 you're a Christian now, but even if you're a Christian, you still have to abide by the Jewish laws, and so you got to do this, this, and this. And Paul hears about this. Now, if Paul were addressing us today, he might say things like, so you think you have to serve a certain amount. And by the way, you think you have to give a certain amount of money. You mean you have to 
You're thinking you have to track your goodness. So these are the metrics. Like if I give enough and if I serve enough, then God will bless me. Well, there is a portion of that that is uh, simply in obedience. We do those things in obedience to what God has called us to do. But that is not dependent. Our, the blessing of God on our lives, the, the, um, uh, the righteous, our righteousness is not dependent on whether we serve or whether we give. We do those things because we love him who first loved us. And he who was so generous to us, now we are also generous people because we have his spirit within us. Jesus always calls us to more. He never says, oh, no, you're good, you're good, you're good. No, he calls us to more. He calls us to more. But so often, we track our goodness, like the good things we do. We like to track those things to justify our freedom rather than faith-keeping. We revert to the doing rather than the receiving. I'm reminded of this uh, story, like when, if you read Acts chapter 2, Peter gets up to address the people on the day of Pentecost. He begins this process, he starts preaching. It's, it, it was a first, but here he is, he's preaching to the people. And some translations say they were uh, cut to the quick. Others say they were, they were uh, uh, convicted deep in their heart. And what did they say? They didn't, they didn't first say, what do we do? What do we receive? What do we receive? They said, what do we do? Peter, what do we do? We hear this word. What do we do now? Peter says, in Acts chapter 2, he says, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you see what happens here? Peter says, do this and receive. Do this and receive the Spirit. Sometimes we as American Christians get caught up in the thing of I'm just going to receive. I'm just going to receive. And we forget there is responsibility on our part. We forget that there is a doing on our part as well. And that doing is simply to say yes to Jesus, to put it in really plain language that we always talk about here. The way we say it here is we say yes to Jesus and then we receive the Holy Spirit. When we receive the Holy Spirit, we are no more longer the same. We are new people created to do good works. But these these good works that we do are not metrics. I know, sometimes this gets, this gets a little confusing because we like to see the metrics. We like to see this is the good we've done and then we feel like we, have, we are justified when in fact we repent, we give our lives to Jesus. Jesus says, you are mine. Here's the Holy Spirit. Now live as mine. Live as people that are following the way of Jesus. So as we think about this, as we think about Galatians 1 and how the church in Galatia turned from, from, from 
receiving the Holy Spirit, they've received the Holy Spirit, but then they revert to being focused on the doing instead of the receiving. The question becomes for us, are you convinced? Are you simply being blown about by the wind? Like when you think about your faith journey, are you convinced? Are you standing in the truth? What is firm, what is unmoving, what is steadfast in your life? Think about those questions as we begin to read. If you want to turn to Galatians 1. Galatians 1. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. Now, Paul begins to give his credentials and his testimony. And he's appealing to this, the, the churches of Galatia to pay attention to this. Take it to heart. And you and I, we should take it to heart. We should understand the seriousness of his words. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here, join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. I want to point out that in verse 4, Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. Listen, I think it's significant and important that Paul did not say um, that he is going to rescue you from the presence of this evil world, but he's going to rescue us from the power of this evil world. See, there's a significant difference there. Sometimes we want to be rescued out of this evil world. We want to remove ourselves from all the difficult things, from all the suffering, from all the pain of this world. And yet the reality of it is, you and I live with pain. You and I live with suffering. Some of, sometimes those things, we experience them because we have rough edges that need to be worn off. In, our, in the process of becoming all that Christ has called us to be, sometimes those rough edges only come off with pain and suffering and experiencing what we would call evil in this world. No, we are now filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to step into the places around us that we would call evil and we bring the good, we bring the Spirit of God into those places and we become the difference makers in those arenas. So we do not get rescued from the presence, but we get rescued from the power because the power of God is now in us. Now let me just note that in all the other letters that Paul wrote to the churches, so if you look at Corinthians, you look at Thessalonians, um, Ephesians, Philippians, all of those scriptures there is a section after this blessing where he begins to say how much he thanks God for the people he's writing to. And yet in the book of Galatians, he doesn't do that. I don't think he's feeling super thankful for these people right at that point. Instead, he goes right to verse 6 as we read it. And he gets really, really personal. He says, 
I am shocked. Some translations say astonished and extremely irritated that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Today's message is entitled Fake News. Fake News. In about uh, 2016, I was first really aware of the term fake news. And it came about by a few teenagers in a, in a European country called uh, North Macedonia. Small country uh, just north of Greece that uh, made a ton of money during the presidential elections that year in the unit from the United States. So they were, they were creating this, this whole stream, this whole, uh, uh, all this content that was essentially fake. There was nothing true about it, but um, they were putting it out there. And every time we clicked on it, every time you and I clicked on something, they would get a few pennies and they would make money, lots and lots of money during the 2016 presidential elections. Now, they were specifically targeting uh, conservatives, but tell, I'll tell you that conservatives and liberals, neither one of them has the corner on this market. They both use it for their uh, purposes. But this fake news was created for the purpose of manipulating us, manipulating people to take advantage of uh, presuppositions and sometimes, frankly, our gullibility. Our gullibility to just say, well, it's on the internets, so we should probably receive it as the truth. Not so much. Why do we use, why do people use fake news? Well, there's, there's a number of different ways. Uh, they use it for political gain. Um, that's a great way to fundraise. If you make things look bad enough, and if you create yourself as the savior to save, your, save the people from this bad thing, that's a good way to raise money. That works on the religious side too, unfortunately. Um, they use fake news to damage reputations. Uh, they use fake news for persuasive, uh, persuasive tactics. On the religious side, on the church side, sometimes uh, crooked leaders, I'm not going to name names, but they come from a place of personal opinion. And so they create scenarios that uh, bring brand awareness and they, they raise money through fake news. Sometimes fake news is used to tarnish relationships. You know, I want what I want when I want. And so I create scenarios and I gossip and I lie for selfish gain. All of this is fake news. This is what Paul was pointing to. He said, you are turning so soon, you're turning so soon away from God. What is up with that? You're listening to news that is no good news at all. So it's fake news. What you're listening to is fake news, people. I remember, um, and you, you remember as well, as Jesus was in front of Pilate, 
Pilate asks the question, what is truth? What is truth? Well, let me remind us of what truth is. Because grounding ourselves in the truth is vital and it's imperative if you're going to follow Jesus. This is very basic. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes these words to the church in Corinth. He says, let me remind you now, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. He's saying, remember this, I preached this to you. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. I love that he is commending them at this point. He's saying, you heard it and you're still standing firm in it. I hope that God can say that about you and I this morning as well. It is this good news that saves you. If you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Verse three, I passed on to you what was most important and what has also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins just as the scriptures said. He was buried, here's the key, basic understanding of this Christian's principles. He was buried, he was raised from the dead on the third day just as scripture said. What does it mean when Paul says, if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place? Basically, what he's saying is, unless you believed in vain, unless you made a superficial uh, commitment. Here's what I'm concerned about for us as the local church in America today. I just had a conversation with some friends the other night, and in that conversation, they were talking, one of them was telling us about this incident that he was a part of, this conversation he was a part of, where um, a church-going, in parentheses, the church-going person was talking about how they're, a, they're basically a, an agnostic at this point. So God exists probably, but he doesn't have anything to do with my life. And yet, they're part of a local church, so they go for community. Now, I love the fact that we are in community. I love the fact that we get to know each other, see each other, be in relationship with each other. But if we are moving into this place because we love the people and we love the community and that's it, and we really have no practical relationship with Jesus, that's a travesty. That does not transform lives. That does not restore us to wholeness. That's simply going to a social club and connecting with people. This is far more, must be far more than a social club. Some of us, I believe, are practicing practical atheism. That simply means that, um, that we should live our lives with, um, we will live our lives with a, a disregard of God. Like, practical atheism is sort of like just saying, well, I'm going to ignore God. I'm just going to ignore God. It doesn't accept or reject the claims about God necessarily. It's just ignore God. If for a moment you would think about the things that do not make sense in your life, where you feel like God has just not come through, isn't it easy to step back and go, yeah, I'll just ignore God. Or if he's saying something to you about something that needs to change in your life, how easy is it for you to simply step back and go, eh, maybe another time. I'm just going to ignore that right now. You're practicing 
practical atheism. Why is it so easy for us, as Paul addressed in this first letter to the Galatian churches, he is shocked that they are turning away so soon from God. Why do we have this propensity toward accepting a different word? Is it not because the gospel is offensive to our humanity? Is it not because we are a prideful people? I mean, when the gospel says, you need saving, you cannot save yourself, and you get no credit for any of this, this is all about Jesus, doesn't that come against the pride that we have? Of course it does. It's offensive to our pride. It's also offensive to our wisdom. Scriptures say that the cross is foolishness. It's foolishness. How much sense does it make for the God-man to come and die a humiliating, disgraceful death for us? There were all kinds of ways to die, but he died the most cruel way. How much sense does that make? It doesn't make sense to our human wisdom. And finally, the gospel is offensive to our knowledge. We are smart people, right? I've never hoped for a church full of dumb people. I've always hoped for a church full of people that are thinking people that don't just assume because I stand up here and say something that it is ultimately exactly what you need to know. I always hope that you are searching the scriptures, that you are well-read, that you are about learning. But this idea that we are to believe that a dead man rose from said death and made himself known, and by the way, we're to believe that he still does, and we experience that he still does, but this goes against scientific knowledge and it goes against personal experience sometimes. Where is God? He has evaporated, evaporated, like he's not visible. I don't see him. What do I do with that? When we have those questions, often we revert to the measurables again. We're measurables of law-keeping and tracking our goodness to justify our freedom rather than faith Keeping. Let me turn us to Hebrews chapter 11. This is the, what is known as the faith chapter of uh, the Bible, uh, the New Testament. Here's what the Hebrew writer says about faith keeping. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Now catch this. All these people died still believing. And then he goes through and he talks about Abraham and he talks about Sarah and he goes on and on about all the different people in the ancient people who have uh, had faith, 
did not see that faith come to fruition in terms of results that they were looking for. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They, were, they agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country that they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. This is still true for us today. We don't always see the results of the work that we're doing. We don't always see the fruit being that, that, is, that we were hoping to see. But we keep the faith. We keep the faith. We keep stepping in and saying, use me, Lord, even when I don't see it, even when it's hard for me to believe it. Use me, show me. It is not foolishness. It is being steadfast in our faith. It is saying yes to Jesus and no to our own selfish humanity. So stay true to the gospel you've received. Paul the persecutor, the chief sinner, he calls himself, the chief persecutor of the early church. Paul switched sides to become the foremost preacher of grace and truth to the Gentile world. You guys, it's never too late. It's never too late to switch sides, to embrace the love of Christ that will compel us to long obedience in the same direction. It's so important for us to catch this. Long obedience in the same direction, which simply means even when we don't see the fruit, even when we don't see the results, we do the right thing because we believe that there is another country, there is another world, there is a, that is, there is a heaven that has been prepared for those of us that follow the way of Jesus. Would you stand with me? When we live, when we live in grace and truth, which is simply means when we live the way of Jesus, when we keep the faith, it allows us to try some new things. It allows us to step outside our comfort zones, to make new friends, with people maybe of a different race or a different class. When we live in grace and truth, when we live faith forward, uh, the world around us becomes not so scary. When you and I are secure, when you and I are secure in our faith, and when our lives are in alignment with the Holy Spirit, this is when God can, the power that he's put within us through, through the power of the Holy Spirit, this is when God can use us in great, big, beautiful ways. And so tomorrow, whatever comes your way, tomorrow, when you get sideways with your teammates at the office, when things on the manufacturing line just don't work out the way you thought they would, when someone isn't holding up their end of the bargain, when your marriage relationship 
feels very distant. Keep the faith. When you feel like your physical health is being depleted, keep the faith. So I wonder, have you listened to fake news? Have you subscribed to an alternate gospel that is no gospel at all? The word gospel simply means good news. Often that happens when we acclimate to the culture instead of being the person that actually stands out from the culture, the person that does things differently. I'm gonna ask the prayer ministry team to come forward. And if you're here in the house this morning, and it'd be beneficial to you to have someone pray with you, if you find yourself having subscribed to an alternate gospel that is no gospel at all, Man, I just invite you to come up and have someone pray with you about that. Being in alignment with Jesus is the single most important thing for us as followers of Jesus. The interesting thing about a different gospel, as Paul called it, is that it doesn't have to be like 90% wrong. In fact, most of the time, Fake news is just a little bit off. There's a bunch of truth in it, but it's just a little bit off, just enough to get us off track, to get us out of alignment. So be aware, be aware. Know that God has given you the power to withstand the enemy. Lean into that. Father, I thank you even now, that as you have done your work here among us this morning, God, I believe that uh, you want to continue to set us free from all that binds us up. You want to set us free from all of the negative around us. And we are your people. And so we believe that the good news of Jesus is that he came, he died, was buried, and was resurrected. And this morning we celebrate that. And we celebrate the freedom that we can live in because of your work here among us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family. <laughs>